you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. If you're using a pew Bible this morning, that's going to be on page 835, 835. Our mission statement at First Baptist reads, we exist to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, making, the making of disciples is the mission of the church. That is the mission of the church. It's the mission of, of every church, in fact. Our, our language, of our, our, our mission statement is not terribly creative, is it? To make disciples. Because that is the mission. That's the mission of every church, of every, of, of every Christian, of all of God's people, of the church, capital C. It's all about making disciples. His disciples are to make disciples. Jesus said to his first disciples, come and I will make you fishers of men. Come and I'll make you disciples who make disciples. He is saying to us, make disciples. It's no secret. It's no hidden agenda. We wonder what's the purpose? What's the mission? What's the meaning? What is it? It's to make disciples. Matthew chapter 28 records some of Jesus' final words or his parting words. What are the last words you want someone to know before you, you, you leave the earth? And what are those things? And here are some of Jesus' last words in Matthew chapter 28 that are recorded for us. And in verse 19, we see this, this sentence, 19 and 20, we see a sentence with, with one command, one uh, imperative. Listen to it in verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, those are familiar verses. I know that you've heard those before. I've preached those, these verses before. This isn't new territory for many of us in the Bible. But what we want to do regularly is to remind ourselves of what we exist to do. We don't exist to, to, to just gather. That's part of it, yes, and amen. We are, we are to gather and to worship. That's not all. We, we exist to do something. We exist to make disciples. And here is the, the, one, uh, the one imperative in the text. The command is to make disciples of all nations or to make uh, followers of all nations. Make followers of Jesus. This is a, a broad command, right? Make disciples of all nations. Which if, if you think about the time when Jesus is saying this, where was the gospel going to primarily? It was going to the Jewish people. And so Jesus is saying, the gospel isn't only for the Jew. It is for the Greek. It is for the Gentile. It is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew and for the Gentile, as Paul would later say in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Uh, the authors of a book called The Discipleship, excuse me, The D Disciple Makers Handbook define disciple making in this simple way helping people trust and follow Jesus. When we think about making disciples, when we think about what it means to be a disciple maker, what, what a simple way to say, what, what, is that, what does that mean to me? Like, how, what is that? What is that, make disciples? It is to help people trust and follow Jesus. 
They take this definition from the three participle phrases that we also see in verses 19 and 20. They, they accompany the, the, the command. They, they help fulfill or fill out the command. They, they speak to how this making of disciples works. And the first word we see is the word go in verse uh, in verse 19, go therefore and make disciples. Go. Uh, Jesus, we know, went. Jesus was sent into the world. And as he was, so are we. In fact, that's what John chapter 20, verse 21 says. That even as the Father has sent me, so send I you. We too are sent. We too go. And like Jesus went, as, as Jesus was going, he went in order to what? In order to help others. To help others follow him. To help others believe in him. We do not go in order to make a name for ourselves. We do not go in order to build our own kingdom. We do not go in order to fulfill our own passions or make ourselves feel good. Disciple making is not about us primarily or at all. It is about Jesus. Jesus went out to make disciples because of his love for God and his love for men. So too, as we go, we go motivated to help. By, motivated by what? The love of Christ. So the going is the first step. The helping is the first step. We go to, to actually do something, to, to be helpful. We go, but secondly, what's the second participle we see there? Is that what are we going to do in the helping? Verse 19 continues, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. A baptism is a public profession of one's faith in Christ. When someone is baptized, they're saying as a public witness to, to all who are there that they, they believe in Jesus, they're trusting in Jesus, and they want to follow Jesus. So baptism necessarily communicates our trust in God for salvation. So not only do we, we go, we go to help them, help people what? Help people trust Jesus. And the same writers of the book say this, faith is at the heart of the entire Christian life. So there is, there is no disciple making without faith. That, that's, a, that's essential. We, we must trust. We must believe. We must have faith in order to be a disciple of Jesus. Making disciples is helping people trust Jesus. Jesus' words as he began his public ministry, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. Making disciples is helping people trust Jesus. We call that evangelism sometimes, don't we? We call it sharing the gospel or sharing our faith. In, in all of those ways, what are we doing but helping someone to trust Jesus? Well, making disciples is evangelism, but it's not only evangelism, as we might think of it. It's also discipleship, we could say. It's not one or the other, but it's both. And Jesus shows us this in the Great Commission. Because the next part of verse 20, look at verse 20 with me. It says this, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So, so not only do we go to help, not only do we baptize, that is conversion, but we teach. 
Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. To teach here to observe means to follow, to, 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 um, to obey the commands of God. Much teaching in the school system today is teaching to test. You ever notice that? That the teaching is only about getting a good grade on a test. It's not actually about learning necessarily. There's other ways to measure learning, we know. When Jesus calls his disciples to make disciples, he's not calling for rote memorization of information. He's not calling for us to regurgitate some verses in the Bible and make us all feel good that we said the right words. He's not, that's not what Jesus is calling us to. He's calling for obedience to what he has commanded. Being a disciple means obeying God's commands. It's not just knowing right things, it's doing right things. It's living the right way. This is, this is the, the nature of, of what we might call sanctification or being set apart, this transformation, this spiritual growth, this change. We are not only to believe the truth, but we are to walk in the truth. Well, next we want to consider the manner of discipleship. Now, here in Matthew chapter 28, we won't find these things specifically in Matthew chapter 28, but the principles that we're about to talk about are, are exemplified throughout the Gospels in the life of Jesus. So what is the manner of discipleship? We could say the manner of discipleship or um, the way of discipleship is to do what Jesus did in the way that Jesus did it. Right? If you want to make a disciple, what, how, how would you do that? You would do what Jesus did the way Jesus did it, right? You, you would follow his example. What, what are some of the specific things that we could follow? Well, one of them is intentionality. Making disciples is not accidental. It is intentional. Uh, one writer says that intentionality is, set, intentionality is uh, thoughtfulness in action. Intentionality is thoughtfulness in action. It's not an accident that someone becomes a disciple. It's with great intention that someone becomes a disciple. When Jesus came onto the scene, he called his disciples. But he didn't just randomly call disciples. He went and called them by name, with intention and purpose. He called them to come. In John chapter 4, Jesus is traveling, and, and the text says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why did he have to go through Samaria? Not, not all the Jews went through Samaria. In fact, they intentionally didn't go through Samaria. So why did he have to go through Samaria? For the woman at the well. With intention and with purpose, he went to meet with her. He went to share with her the good news that she so desperately needed. The manner of discipleship is firstly intentional or purposeful. And secondly, it is relational. It's relational. Discipleship happens most effectively through life-on-life -life relationships. Because it is through relational love and care that people are open to the gospel. That's how Jesus worked. Jesus built relationships with people. Jesus came alongside these, these first disciples and invited them into a relationship. Come, follow me. In fact, we could say that Jesus didn't ask them first to believe. He asked them first to follow. 
fact, some of them did not believe at first, but they followed. Jesus invites us into a relationship. Life is all about relationships. And as we love people well, we gain a hearing and we gain opportunities to share our faith. Now, this can be misused. We are not to love people in order to share the gospel with them. Rather, we are to love people, and because we love them, we share the gospel with them. The first way is to, to, to use someone as, as a, a check or a slash in our, in our evangelism counter. <laughs> who, who, can I, who can I find to love so I can share the gospel with them? No, no, no. We love people, and because we love people, we want to share the gospel with them so that they might know Jesus and then that they might make Jesus known to others, which leads to the third point that we see in Jesus is that Jesus made disciples who make disciples. So not only was Jesus purposeful, not only was he relational, but Jesus reproduced disciples. He came into the world, yes, to seek and to save the lost. He came to call followers to himself. He came to train people to know him, but also to train them to tell other people. He didn't come just to give them information, but information and truths that they would then share with others. Jesus' example, Jesus' example is one of multiplication. He was a disciple-making discipler. That's what the Great Commission is. It's not just to share your faith, but it's to share your faith and teach someone that they might be able to share their faith too. If our discipleship stops at evangelism, right, we've not gone far enough. That's not the whole commission. A disciple, we could say, is not a disciple until they can make a disciple. So I ask you, who in your life are you intentionally discipling? Can you make a disciple? Are you making a disciple? Who are you helping? We could say it this way. Who are you helping trust and follow Jesus? Make it more simple. Who are you helping to trust and to follow Jesus? might be an unbeliever in your life who does not know Jesus and you're loving them and you're pointing them to Jesus every chance you got. That, that's discipleship. You're doing it. It might be, a, might be a child. Moms, dads, grandparents. It might, be, it might be kids in your house or grandkids in your house. That's discipleship. Don't, don't discount that. Don't discount family devotions. Don't discount the weekends at grandma and grandpa's house. That can be discipleship too. Maybe there's a new Christian that you know who's trying to learn what it means to follow Jesus. Are you helping them to observe the commandments of Jesus? How are you making disciples? Let me say, the depth of one's discipleship is not necessarily related to the length of one's salvation. Uh, just because you've been saved for a long time does not mean that you're, you're a disciple maker. Doesn't mean that at all. There are veteran Christians who are not disciple makers. The Great Commission, though, is for all of us to hear. Whether you've been saved for five minutes or five years or 50 years, the commission is still the same. To go, to baptize, and to teach. One of my concerns as a pastor as it relates to discipleship is whether or not people know what their next step is in their own walk with Jesus. Maybe you've been saved for a lot of years. 
Maybe you've started to do some things, but you're not really sure what, 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 what's next for me. Maybe you've come here for years and sat in the pew every Sunday and kind of feel like, I, I, I don't know, I may, am I at the end of the, of the discipleship road? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? Well, to help with that, I would like us to consider a, a discipleship pathway, if you will, or a model or, or a framework. And it, it kind of goes uh, like this. First, we must believe. We must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. In order to become a disciple, you must behold Jesus for who he is and to believe on him by faith. That is the, the very first step in becoming a disciple is to believe. To believe is more than just to know something to be true. We read in the book of James that even demons know, even demons believe that, that, that Jesus is Jesus. But they're not, they're not believing on him by faith. They're not entrusting their soul to him. They're not trusting his work on their behalf. No, saving faith is the act of trusting God by grace to provide forgiveness of sins and salvation through and only through his substitutionary death. That is Jesus' substitutionary death on the cross in our place. That's what it means to have saving faith. It means to trust Jesus for your salvation and not yourself. Even this faith, even this belief, even this faith though, we must recognize this is even a gift from God. So yes, we must believe, but we also need to recognize the only way you're ever going to believe is if God opens your eyes to see your need to believe. And that's exactly what Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we're dead in our trespasses and sins and it is God who moves first in his great love in which he loved us, made us alive. He opened our eyes. He turned on the lights, we could say, in order that we would believe, in order that we would have faith and ex exercise the faith that he gives us. Discipleship is not only, though, as we've said before, about believing. It is about following in order to follow Jesus, we must know what he said. There are many people running around the world today saying they're a Christian because they prayed a prayer when they were very small. And they think that that's all that it means to be a Christian. That is not all that it means to be a Christian. It's in fact, that's not even what Jesus says a Christian is. A Christian isn't just someone who believes something. It's someone who follows him. A Christian is someone who follows Christ. And so yes, that means they believe but it also means that they obey his commands. In order to follow Jesus, we must know what those commands are. Not only believing them, but following, following them and doing so with others. In Acts chapter, which leads us to belonging. Not only do we believe, but we belong. In Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 4, Luke talks about uh, people getting saved. And he says that they heard the word, and what he means there is that they believed it. They, they heard it. They, they, they accepted what they, they heard. They were baptized, and they were added to the church. They were saved, they were baptized, and they were added to the church. Belonging means being part of the family of God. And yes, upon conversion, we are all part of the church. That's absolutely true. Yes and amen. But how is that church made visible to anyone? Through the local church. How do we know who's in the church? Through the local church. Because at the local church level that we affirm one another. 
we recognize the faith of one another. And as a community, we say, yes, upon your confession of faith, we agree that you're a Christian. There's affirmation. There's agreement together. Belonging means being part of the family of God and joining in the work of God with a local assembly of like-minded believers. Listen, the Christian life is not a solo act. It is not meant for us to, be, to, to go on all alone. It is meant to be lived in community. It is true that we are better together. And I want to invite you, if you're not a member of, of this church and you are attending regularly, and you're, you're part of us in that way, I want, to, I want to invite you to consider joining our church as a member, to coming under the, the family, so to speak, being part of this in, in a committed way. And we have a, a membership class that meets in two weeks. And you can sign up on the, the table. There's, there's, no, there's no strings attached to the meeting. You can come and, and not, not join. There's no, no, no manipulation here. But if you're, if you're regularly coming, I just want to say, why would you not be part of this family? If, if you're calling this your church home, I want to invite you to be part of the family in an official sense, to, to belong to this church family. To belong to a local church is to partner in the gospel together, which assures us that we're not alone in following Jesus. A faith family, a faith community is meant to encourage one another. It's meant to exhort one another, in the words of Hebrews, to, to love and good works. It's meant to help us obey the commandments of Jesus. And additionally, within the context of the church, that's where our gifts are discerned. It's where we figure out, well, how has God made me? Well, what, are, what are the things I can do, not just within these walls, but how can I serve Yes, our church physically here, but how can I serve the community? How can I serve my neighbor? What, how, how has God made me? The Lord provides. He, he equips the church for the work of the ministry. He does that through this church, through pastors and elders to help, help direct those, uh, those ministries. It's in the local church that we find accountability in our spiritual journey as we become more like Jesus. So as, as part of the local church, we are to not just belong to it, but we are to become more and more like God's son. We grow in godliness as we serve God together. We become like Jesus. Uh, as we become like Jesus, that, that, that means that we're growing in grace and knowledge, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It means that we daily deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus, Matthew 16. It means that we put off the, the old flesh with its deeds and put on the new self. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 and 24 through 24. Ephesians chapter 4, this is page 978, if you're using a pew Bible. So to, to, to become more like Jesus, to, to grow in holiness or grow in, in Christ-likeness, it means that we put off our, 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 our old man. Look at verse 22. It says, and put, uh, to put off our old self, or old man, which belongs to our former way of life, and it's corrupt through deceitful desires. That's the old man. Right? That's who we were before Jesus. 
before the Holy Spirit has taken up residency in, in our life. So we're to put off the old, in verse 23, says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So as, as we walk with Jesus, as we put to death the old man and put on the new man, we become more like Jesus and grow in holiness. To become more like Jesus means to observe all that Jesus commanded. It means to change. It means to change. David Pallison says this, change is moving in the right direction. It's not about speed distance or perfection, it is about direction. In what direction are you moving this morning? Part of what Jesus commanded was for his disciples to serve and not to be served. Disciples are saved to serve. We're saved to, to give ourselves to other people. We're given spiritual gifts for the glory of God and for the good of others. We're freed from sin in order to serve in love. Jesus sent his followers out to make disciples, to evangelize, or as Randy Pope, author Randy Pope says, to be used by God to lead non-followers, non-followers of Jesus, to become true followers of Jesus. Which leads to the, the fourth part of our little diagram here. Disciples are to build to build into others, to make disciples who make disciples. That's what we mean by build. We're, we're God's servants to, to give and to go, to help others to know Jesus and to make him known to others. Building means making disciple-making disciples, to be on mission that others would know God and make God known. It's to help other people trust and follow Jesus, who will in turn help other people to trust and follow Jesus. So how are you making disciples? Are you making disciples? This is what we mean when we say discipleship. We mean to believe. We mean to belong. We mean to become. And we mean to build. So where are you on your spiritual journey where are you on this, this discipleship pathway? Maybe you've trusted Jesus, but you've yet to, to really embrace the community of God's people. Maybe your next step is to belong. Maybe you belong and you're not quite sure what you should be doing or what your spiritual habits ought to be. Maybe you need to become. And if you have, then maybe you, you need to be looking towards helping other people. If you're sitting here this morning, you're not sure what it means to believe. I just want to say again, if you do not understand that Jesus is the Savior that you need, that's the question we're asking. Do you understand that this morning? Have you trusted Christ and Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins, for the hope of heaven, and for eternal life? If you have, then the invitation is to join up with, with other committed believers and to actively participate in a local church. So I ask, in what ways are you serving in what ways are you serving God? By serving others in the church and in the community. There are lots of ways to serve. There's lots of ways to serve here, literally in this building, in the ministries of First Baptist. But when we talk about spiritual, uh, spiritual gifts of serving, it doesn't only happen here. You can use your spiritual gifts to serve your neighbor. 
You, you can minister to, to, to someone at work. It's not only here. Please don't think of, of discipleship and ministry as only what happens on these specific moments in time throughout the week. That's not all that it means. It includes that, but it does not exclude other opportunities to serve. Well, believing and belonging leads to becoming. And I wonder if you look back on your, your life a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, can you see yourself becoming more like Jesus? Can, can you look back and see what changes God has, has wrought in your life? You ought to be able to do that. If you are becoming, you will see that. If you are becoming more like Jesus, we understand that to be a process. What spiritual disciplines are you engaged in currently that would help with that? How are these disciplines forming you? Spiritual formation, so important. And finally, who in your life are you discipling? Even right now, as, as you sit there and you hear that question, like literally, is there a name in your mind or names in your mind? There ought to be. If there's not, maybe you need to start making a list of people who you want to reach out to. Who are you helping, intentionally helping to trust and follow Jesus? If you're not this morning, why? What is preventing you from doing that? What is preventing you from helping someone believe or belong or become or become a disciple maker? I'm not the most handy guy in the world as some of you know, but one of the reasons that I'm not very handy is I don't always have the right tools for the job. Um, if you don't have the right tools, it's really hard to do certain jobs, right? You need tools. I think one of the reasons in our discipleship that some of us struggle is we don't, we don't have the right tools. We don't know what to do. If someone asks me a question, am I going to be able to help them? How would I walk someone through what it means to believe? How would I walk someone through why they should join a church? How would I walk someone through what it means to become more like Jesus? Like what, is that, what does that language even really mean to talk to someone? How would I help someone learn how to help someone else? Well, what are the tools? Well, there are tools. And let me just give you a few this morning. On evangelism, there are two tools that I would just offer to you. One is the Navigator's One Verse Evangelism. Um, template, I guess you'd call it. It's actually on our resource table. And it's based on Romans chapter 6, verse 23. And it's an easy to remember verse, of course, and it has a helpful visual that you can draw out. It's the basics of the gospel. It's just a one verse. Man, if you can get one verse down, right, can, you, can you help someone with that verse? There may be other questions. You might have to get help, but here's one verse. You don't have to run around all throughout the scripture. Here's one verse, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. We talked about this diagram before, but there's a, a three circles a diagram or illustration. And there's a free app you can get on your phone, and it, it walks you right through each of those circles. It's literally three circles and three arrows. And you just tell the story of the redemptive narrative starting with the book of Genesis. Uh, it, it's easy to do. It's something that you could work to prepare. For those who might be uh, seekers, who might be uh, looking for more, more uh, questions or deeper questions. There's a, a, four, uh, a four booklets series uh, called Life Issues by Randy Pope. You can just Google Randy Pope, Life Issues, and it should come up. And this confronts key questions about the Bible, eternal punishments, right? Because that's always an issue, right? Hell. Uh, Jesus is the only way to God. The requirement for eternal life all while working through the entire book of John, the Gospel of John. Um, so that's an option. 
as far as belonging, there's a little booklet there. We only have one copy out there, so first come, first serve, I guess. But uh, there's a little booklet called uh, Why Should I Join a Church? And it's a, a little bit of an explanation of, of why, why should you join a church? Maybe you can just attend. What well, does it really matter? And maybe that would be a helpful resource. And again, invite you to come to the membership class just for information, if anything else. Maybe you have a young convert. Maybe you have a, a, a young disciple who's asking questions, who's trying to develop uh, their, their spiritual formation. Uh, there's a, a Bible study course, and this is on the, walk, or the resource table called One by One, W-O-N by, is it up there? There it is. Yeah, by O-N-E, well, One by One. It's a one-on-one Bible study you can have. It goes through theological and biblical uh, truths might be a helpful resource. Uh, this one is not out there, but uh, Next Steps by, by Randy Pope. Again, it's a series of booklets uh, that go through particular topics related to um, uh, first believing. And then uh, Small Circle, that's a, a ministry group, has a, a curriculum or a, a book series called Next and it's uh, the first steps in your faith. And it's a 12-week, one-on-one discipleship study covering the basics of the Bible, prayer, baptism, temptation, and, and more. And finally, this really would be at any level, but Greg Ogden's uh, book called Discipleship Essentials. And there are 25 studies for, in his language, building your life in Christ. So someone comes to you or you have somebody you want, you want to help follow Jesus, maybe you're not quite sure, here are some resources. If you need help obtaining those resources, we'd be glad to help you with that. This is a bit of a toolbox. If you think of it as a toolbox, you got somebody who's, who's new to Jesus, he, here's, here's a tool for that. You have somebody who doesn't know Jesus at all and you want to introduce them to, to the, the reality of Jesus and of sin and of hell and of salvation, there's a tool for that. You have somebody who's known Jesus for a long time, but they're not growing in their relationship with, with Christ, here's a tool for that. There's certainly other resources and maybe you have some that you use as well, but here are, these are a few to get you started. But I would end with just saying this, tools aside, don't ever underestimate the power of the word of God to change lives. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That's the power. It's not in you and your ability. It's not in the tools that you have. It's in the word of God. The word of God is living, Hebrews 4 tells us, and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It does the exposing. It, 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 it is what cuts through to the heart. And finally, the scriptures are God's words. They're God's words. You might think, I I don't have good words. Maybe you're not very eloquent. Maybe you don't think you can uh, debate or argue or answer all the questions. You don't have to have the words. Just point to God's words. God's words that are profitable, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And it tells us they're profitable for four things. For doctrine. That means... They, they tell us what is right. The scriptures tell us what is right. You want to know what's right? Read the Bible. You want to know what's wrong? Read the Bible. There's rebuke. You want to know how to get right after you've done wrong? There's correction. You want to know how to stay right? Instruction in righteousness. The Bible has it all. How to know what's right, how to know what's not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. Brothers and sisters, Those of you who've come to Christ in faith, 
The Bible calls us disciples, calls us followers. The question is, what is the next step in your, your spiritual walk with Jesus? You haven't made it to the end. The end is the grave. So if you're not there yet, then you're still on the journey. You might say, well, I, I've, 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 I've believed. I'm a member. I'm becoming like Jesus. Great. How are you helping someone else believe, belong, and become? Like, that's the next step for some of us. May God help us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for saving us. And may we with joy look to, look to share that good news with other people. All of this is in light of Jesus. For some of us, left to ourselves, we would probably stay quiet. Might just uh, mail it in. Thankful for what God did for us and hope that people figure it out, but maybe we're, maybe we're private people. Maybe we're people who are, uh, keep to ourselves a lot. Uh, but God, help us to be burdened to make disciples who make disciples. Help us to be motivated or compelled by the love of Christ, not just to believe the truth, but to tell the truth. Would you give us opportunities to do it this week? Would you give us eyes to, to see those opportunities? And then God, would you give us courage to open our mouth, to point people to your word? And we'll give thanks for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.